Amen. Good morning, church. I am so excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, I've been preparing for this word for the past three weeks, and I've been hearing the voice of God saying one specific phrase, and that is, all things are possible. Can you repeat with me? All things are possible. I want to add to that. All things are possible through God. Amen? All things are possible through God. I want you to think of it as individual things, not some things. All things are possible through God. Through man, some of these things might be impossible, said angel Gabriel to Mary when she says, is this possible? And he said, through man, this might be impossible, but through God, all things are possible. Church, the last few weeks, if you have paid attention, the messages have been continuously about faith. Uh, a lot of times the worship team, you know, uh, they pick their songs, especially during the weekday services. We're not able to discuss what songs or what messages and we're not able to align uh, exactly. But the songs that they have been pr- uh, picking has always been also about faith. I think God has a message for Zion Church. It's not because that we don't have faith, but I think God wants to stretch our faith more these days. Are you ready for your faith to be stretched this morning? Amen? So this passage, before I start that, I want to bring greetings from Pastor Justin, uh, my husband who is away on a ministry trip to uh, South India and to Dubai. And uh, I miss him greatly. I know most of you guys miss him too. Um, I've Everybody who's, you know, asked, him, asked me about him, I've let him know about, you know, the people will miss you. You need to come back soon more because I miss him. <laughs> um, but he's had the opportunity to preach about 14 sermons the last uh, few days. And then he's scheduled a few more sermons uh, next week. I think he's scheduled for 10 more before he comes back. So he's tired. Um, so he's tired. He's going from one place to the other place. He was in Kerala. He was in Bangalore. I think he was in Tamil Nadu. And now he's in Dubai. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I'm just glad that I I'm not going with him because I'd be whining the whole time. I can't do that much travel. But he is he is in his happy mode because he gets to preach the word of God. This is what he's built to do. And what else pleasure can he have because you get to preach the good news of the gospel. Amen. There are people in India who are desperate to hear the word of God. The work that is happening in India is amazing. You think that these stories that we hear from Mark chapter 9 and throughout the gospel happened 2,000 years ago. Wait till you go to India or you go to another country. You see these things happen to right in front of your eyes. And I'm not going to be, you know, claiming to be an expert on exorcism because Pastor Justin's dad is obviously the expert. (laughs) Uh, But I have seen quite a few happen in front of my eyes. And it is exactly what happens here in Mark chapter 9. And if anything else is going to, you know, keep you strong on your your faith, it is when you see an exorcism happen right in front of your eyes. You, the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life and you'll start speaking in all sorts of tongues that you did not know because the only thing that's going to hold you there is going to be the Word of God. Amen. The only thing that's going to hold you there when you are facing 
something, an enemy that you can't see, but it is manifesting right in front of you. There's no skill. There's no college. There's no uh, degree that you can pull out and the demon's going to run away. The only thing that's going to run away is through the name of Jesus. If you stand because of some knowledge or head knowledge that you have learned throughout the years, you see what happened in Acts chapter. Um, I forget. <laughs> I'm blanking out right now. But when, uh, when the magician went and tried to cast out the demon, what did the demon say? I know Paul. I know Jesus. But who are you? I mean, that's, that's pretty bold. If the demons know who you are, you know, your name is plastered all through hell, my friends. There is a reason why there is a spiritual war that's happening against us because each of our names, each of our pictures are posted all through hell with our names with a wanted list on it. Because when we move, when you are move, when you are taking a simple casserole dish to your cranky neighbor, when you are praying for your coworker, when you are going on the ministry fields, when you are going and doing things that other people are not going to do, when you decide to speak life into the lives of the people around you that God has placed you around, the demons are going to start to tremble because they know that you are about to snatch somebody from his side and bring him over to your side. Amen. So I'm getting way ahead of my notes. So (laughs) bear with me. So this morning, I want to preach about all things are possible through God. Essentially, I want to preach about faith. What is faith? I think faith has become a very Christianese term that we just use very casually. We just say, have faith or pray in faith. You know, we, there's plenty of verses for that as well. But a lot of times we forget to define or understand, especially with, with new believers, you say, you try to explain to them, how do you get faith? Okay, so from these passages, there are a few problematic things that stood out to me that I'm sure stood out to you. One, the disciples were casting out demons before this incident happened. So why weren't the disciples able to cast out demons? Did they not have enough faith? They had faith. So is, does faith come in quantity? Does one person have only 20% faith or another person has 80% faith? How do I get from 20% to 80%? How do I know if I only have 20% so I can fill up my fuel capacity? How do I know? I don't know. Does Jesus say this? So this is one thing we're going to address. The second thing we're going to address is that the man who comes with his child, he says something. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. If it's all of us, we would say, I believe God. Even if we don't believe it, we might not admit it because there's people around us. What are they going to say? That I don't believe, I don't have enough faith. But he admits and says, help my unbelief. And Jesus is able to perform a miracle even through his unbelief. Belief. So we're going to talk about unbelief. And the third thing we're going to talk about is the waiting period. I know most of us, this is going to be pretty sensitive to us because most of us here at Zion Church, we've been praying for a building the last 10 plus years. Do we not have enough faith? Why is God not answering our prayer? Are these questions that's there in your mind? Because it surely has been on my mind. So I ask God, Because I come to God, honestly, instead of Google searching, you know, I come to God and ask, God, I don't know. And Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So God, I want to know. 
Is it because of my lack of faith? What is, why are we in this waiting period? What is going on, God? So these are the three things that we're going to address today. So first thing, what is faith? We can have faith in so many different things, right? We can have faith in our marriage. I can have faith in my husband knowing that he's going to come home. He's going to provide for me. I can have faith in, if you're, you know, young children, you can have faith in your parents knowing that they will provide for you. They'll give you a good shelter, a good home. They will love you. You can have faith in your job. You can have bank security. All of this is different types of faith that non-believers or any person, any human being believes in. But for us, we have faith in God. And faith is putting all our trust, all our security, all our confidence, all our dependence on God. If God removes our ability to walk tomorrow, do we have faith? Are we depending on God? If we do not know where our next check is coming from, are we trusting God and saying, God, I'm not going to worry. You're the one who dresses the lilies. You're the one who feeds the sparrows. You'll take care of me. I might not have a fancy car or a fancy house, but God, I know that you will take care of me. So faith is trusting completely in God, even before you see the outcome. Because if you see the outcome first or you know a guarantee, that's not faith. That doesn't require any faith. Faith requires you to put 100% of your confidence in God. We can all agree that one is not born with faith, right? If a baby is born, a baby is not born with faith. So how does a new, a new believer or a new Christian go from faith to increased faith or faith to great faith, faith that can move mountains, faith that is required to speak into your dead situations and speak life into that? How do you go from that? Because I want to know that. Yes? Amen? Anybody else here who want to know, God, how do I increase my level of faith this morning? We all require faith to accept Jesus. As a sinner, we have to repent of our sin and say, God, there is, I am a sinner and I am bound to go to hell. I am bound for destruction, but I need the blood of Jesus to wash me. So I surrender my life wholeheartedly to you. So that requires, that's a basic level of faith that you have as a Christian. Amen. But from there, your faith is increased and your faith is increased and it's stretched. And as it's stretched, God fills you with more. It stretches when you go through trials and persecutions. Like other people, we go through trials and persecutions as well. We are not special or set apart, but we are special because we, we operate from a vantage point of faith and not from fear. Can you say, all things are possible through God? All things are possible through God. Turn to your neighbor and say, all things are possible through God. Amen. Um, so as a disciple, it is important. This is the basic key for us to have is our level of faith. So the first thing I want to say is to transform your fear to faith. Number one, transform your fear to faith. The man comes to Jesus and he's honest and he says, God, if you can, are there people here who has been waiting for so long that you have done everything you can and yet you're not seeing results. At this point, you just feel like, 
okay, I'm just used to it. This is my reality. My reality is to walk around with this inability, with this financial situation. My, this, is my, this is my reality. Ha, have we gone to that point? And if you are, are you used to that? Where you stop believing that even God can't heal you. Even God can touch you. This man, he comes to Jesus and he says that his child, his son, ha, is has haunted by this from his childhood. Can you imagine a father or a mother, but in this case, I'll say father, if there is anything that's troubling your child, a bully at school, what are you going to do? You're going to go to school and you're going to rough him up, right? Or you're going to talk to the principal. You're going to take care of that situation because nobody dares touch my child. How dare somebody touch my child? Does he not know that he has a father? Amen. But in this case, he's, this man sees his child thrown on the floor, having epileptic attacks. He's convulsing. He has foam. His child is thrown into fire. He's thrown into water. He's being drowned and he, there are attempts of suicide. And this father can't do anything because the enemy that he sees is not physical. So what does he do? What can he do? Keep in mind that this is not a believer. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He's an unbeliever. He has gone to all the doctors. He's gone to all the magicians. He's gone to everything. He's uh, exhausted all his resources. And finally, he hears about this Jesus. And he brings, brings him to his disciples. At this time, Jesus is up on the mountain uh, along with Peter, James, and John. And he is having his transfiguration. He has this meeting with Elijah and Moses. And God says, this is the son whom I've blessed, whom I love, listen to him, right? Jesus is getting ready for his crucifixion. He has been with his disciples for two years. The disciples have seen Jesus do this. So they have cast out many demons. They have healed many illnesses, but yet here is a situation where even they are not able to. And so the father goes back and he says, I don't know. Is there anything else he can do? But yet he doesn't go back home. He stays. He's desperate. Are you desperate? What are you desperate about? What is the situation in your life that you're desperate about? Is there an illness in your life that the doctors have given you a notice on? Is there a situation in your life that seems difficult? Is there a situation in your life where your child is not coming to church anymore? Is there a situation in your life where you think that there is a financial bankruptcy that I have to file soon and I have no idea what I'm going to do? Is there a situation where your husband or your wife is not no longer speaking with you or you don't trust them anymore? And you have been, lo- or you, you have been looking for houses. There's no houses coming up on the market. Everything that you have trying. What is your situation today? How desperate are you? How desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to wait on the Lord? You can say, God, everybody else has gone home. Everybody else has packed up their things and gone home. But I'm going to stay, God. I'm going to wait in your presence, God. How many of you can say, God, I'm just going to stay in your presence. I'm going to linger in your presence and I'm going to wait until I have an answer. The answer might come today, tomorrow, but I'm not going to give up on you because I trust in God. I know my God is a good, good father. Amen. A lot of times uh, we put limitations on God. You know, um, I want to say that most of you guys who have children understand this and can relate with this, but you know that I have a seven-year-old, Josiah, and I have a two-year-old, Ariana. My seven-year-old thinks that I can do everything 
And he thinks that I have all the money in the world to buy him every toy that he wants. And today it might be a basketball, tomorrow it might be a drone, another day it might be a game, it might be something. Every day is a new thing. So I said, Josiah, only one toy for your birthday. Okay, because it's usually going to be like a $200 worth of toy. <laughs> you know, I can't spend that kind of money every day. So I said, Josiah, only one toy. Is it your birthday? It's not your birthday. And so now the list has been started. You know, he's like, mom, can you get this for my birthday? Can you get this for my birthday? So the list is like at least 50 right now. Anybody else know your children? Uh, they, don't, they don't think that you have limitations. But I know the limitations of my bank account. So I'm not going to buy him everything. And plus, he doesn't need certain things, right? He, another thing he wants is a car that he can drive on. If I buy him that, he's going to drive to Arizona to see his cousins. So I'm not going to buy him that, right? Um, a lot of times we put these kind of limitations as well on God. But the reason, or we don't put, uh, and the reason why we do is because as we grow up from childhood to adulthood, we realize the limitations that our parents have. We realize that our parents keep saying, no, no. No, I don't have the money. Oh, you don't need a car. You don't need this. You need a driver's license. We, they keep hearing the word no. And soon they learn not to stop asking, but they learn to prioritize what they need and learn to how to ask the need better. You know, they learn how to make a very good proposal. They come up with documents to back up their argument. They say, this is the reason why I want this brand new pair of $400 worth of shoes, teenagers, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, and I think Josiah is finally realizing that, you know, mom and dad can't buy everything. He's finally realizing that we are not going to buy him a dinosaur egg because that does not exist. <laughs> um, but we put those kind of limitations on God as well because we get jaded. We come face to face with reality and say, God, maybe God can do everything. Maybe this is my reality. Maybe God has set me apart for this unique calling to stay as a handicapped, to stay as a lame man. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus walked to the grave of Lazarus even after four days. Four days after he died, in front of the tomb, there was a big, big rock that blocked him. And yet that did not stop Jesus from doing his miracle. The big rock did not stop Jesus from being resurrected from the grave. The, the, there were blind people, lame people, deaf people, people with leprosy who were brought to Jesus. But Jesus just spoke into their lives and miracles happened. And Jesus tells us, his disciples in Mark chapter 16, he says, you will do greater things than I did. Can you imagine that? How many of you are walking through your school corridors, walking through your work corridors, walking through your house and looking at your husband or your wife and you're praying prayers that require a lot of faith? How many of you are asking these prayers? Maybe your husband has this illness for 10 years and the doctors have said, it's just something he's going to have to learn to live with. Are you willing to pray with him? I've noticed that a lot of times husbands and wives don't pray for each other. These days, I don't know why it is. I've, a lot of times I'm talking to young people or, you know, mid-aged married people and they're willing to pray for other people. But when it comes to just each other, they're very hesitant in praying for each other. I ask them, how often do you pray with each other? And they're like, mm, you know, we have family prayer. No, I'm not talking about family prayer. I'm talking about you pray for your husband and your husband prays for you. You lift up each other. 
because that is the only unity that we have. I mean, the church is going to be praying for you as well, but there's no one else who's going to intercede on your behalf more than your husband or your wife. If your wife is struggling with a backache, if she's struggling with some sort of disease, if there is stress at work, pray for them. Don't put on the church group. Before you put on the church group, you pray for her. You pray for him. Amen. So the first thing is to transform your fear to faith. Uh, I want to read James chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. That's pretty harsh. He says, if you doubt, don't even expect to get anything from God. If you doubt. Why is it that a lot of times that people are not going back with a faith, you know, uh, transformed at home? You know, everybody here is listening to the same message. But there are some of you who are going to go home and you're going to see results. And some of you who are not. The reason is because some of us come and we're not combining the Word of God with faith. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6. Sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. The good news was preached to us just as it was to them, which means the good news was preached to everybody. But the teaching they heard did not help them because they heard it and did not accept it with faith. Another translation said they did not combine the message that they heard with faith. So there was no use for them to even listen to that message. Um, I don't know how many of you are like me, but I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to TED Talks. When I'm listening to TED, TED Talks or other sermons or anything just, you know, on audiobooks, um, I just think it's so entertaining, so good. And I'm like, wow, I learned so much. But then I'm go on to my next TED Talk. It's not transformative. transformative. We need the Word of God that needs to take root in our heart. Even if it is one word, you need to allow the Word of God to take root in our heart and transform it. If there is doubt in you, I know most of us are not perfect Christians, you know, <laughs> including me. We are not like Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. We are not like Moses yet. I think most of us can agree. We, that's what we aspire to be. We're trying to be like these patriarchs in the Bible. Um, however, we can admit when we have doubts, we can be honest with God. So the first thing is for us to admit our doubt or admit our unbelief. The second thing is to acknowledge that the devil is always the one who brings the doubt. He has been on this business of bringing doubt into our life, saying that we are inadequate or God is inadequate to provide for our needs from the Garden of Eden. What did he tell Mama Eden? What did he tell? That God is holding back on this really delicious looking fruit from you. Why else would he say you can eat from everything? Because this is a special one. You don't deserve it. There's something special about this one. You know, And so he's been putting these seeds of doubt from that time. And it's no different now as well. He says, is God able to provide for you? Is God going to build this community around you? Do you really think that this sister has the good intention for you? You know, do you think that this, this, uh, your mother-in-law or your father-in-law has good intentions for you? You know, they start to bring tension and argument and disrupt the peace that you have. So when you come to the presence of God, you just, you don't know 
what to ask for anymore. But you can come honestly. There, if there is something you can't fake, it's your faith. Because you can see the outcome right in front of you. Amen. You cannot fake your faith. The second point I want to say is to trust in God's timing. I don't know. I don't understand God's timing. I don't think any of us here understands God's timing. In fact, Jesus says that he doesn't understand God's timing. But for us to just trust in the timing of God, Pastor Justin preached a few weeks ago about the Kairos moment. That is an appointed time of God. And that happens at one time. And if you are positioned in the right attitude, and your promise might have come 10 years ago. Your promise might have come like Abraham, you know, in his 90s saying that he's going to have a child. But he was willing to speak his promise into existence, even though he saw the circumstances around him was dead. Are you willing to look into your circumstance, even though the physical things that you're seeing might have limitations, even though the physical things that you're seeing around you might cause doubt? Are you willing to speak faith into your situation? The last thing I want to say is it's time to level up. It's time to level up. But what does that mean? Okay, so this is the big thing I wanted to say. Okay, so why did the miracle not happen? The disciples were healing people. They were casting out demons before this incident. So why did, why was this situation unique? I'm feeling, I'm hearing God say right now. This is not in my notes, but I'm hearing God say right now, your faith is bigger than you. Can you say that with me? Your faith is bigger than you. A lot of times we think that our faith is just for ourselves. Jesus. Hallelujah. Abraham, he had faith to see that he was going to have a child in his old age. And you would think that that was just for him and for his house. But it was because of Abraham that all the people were blessed. Amen. Moses, you would think that his faith to lead the people from the wilderness to the uh, uh, promised land was just, you know, what his, uh, his purpose was. But he doesn't realize the greater purpose that he has for the children of God to be extended out to the whole world like us. Our faith is bigger than us. A lot of times we pray for faith for our own healing, faith for our financial situation, faith for our children, faith for any problem that you're looking at, the mountain that you're facing right now. But that faith is not just for your problem because there are people around you who is going to be encouraged, who is going to be blessed because of what God is going to do through you. Signs and wonders are not for believers. Signs and wonders for, are for unbelievers, they say. It's for unbelievers. So why are we praying for signs and wonders just for us? Unless God is going to use this sign and wonder to bring, uh, to use it for an unbeliever. So that sign and wonder, keep praying for that. Don't get used to it. Don't give up on that. That's not in my notes, so that's free. So <laughs> um, I wanted to say the reason why, this is part of my notes, the reason why this did not happen, Jesus says in verse 23, can you read verse 23? This kind comes out only by prayer. This kind comes out by only by prayer. And there is, this passage is recorded in Matthew and also in Luke as well. And Matthew chapter, I believe it is Matthew chapter 17. Um, uh, I don't have the verse right in front of me. The last verse Jesus says, it is because you have little faith. You have little faith. 
a lot of times we have intermittent faith. How many of you understand what intermittent faith is? Intermittent faith is that you have faith for certain periods of time and then you no longer have faith. You go through this period of stagnation. Um, I was reading a commentary the other day and it said that, you know the incident where Peter walks into the water and he's faced with a storm and he sees Jesus walk on water through the storm and Peter walks out. He, uh, Peter says, if it is you, God, command me to come out as well. And Jesus said, come. And he walks into the water as well. And yet, when he sees the storm around him, he falls. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Little faith. We think that faith here is talking about a percentage. It's talking about like, okay, maybe Peter had only like 20% faith, you know? It's not talking about 20% faith. It's talking about the quantity of your faith, not the quality here. In this, at least this commentary was saying, is that he had intermittent faith. When he saw the storms rage, raging around him, he lost focus on the author and finisher of our faith. And that's Jesus. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, who has gone through all the struggles, all the persecution, all the suffering. There is nothing that you can't come to Jesus with. You can come to Jesus with all of our struggle and everything in this world will start to grow dim because He loves us and He, he is able to provide for us. There are things that nobody else can answer except God. You need the touch of God, my friends. You need the touch of God, my friends. There, are you able to exercise your faith this morning. How many of you are able to exercise your faith this morning? How many of you are here because you're perfect? How many of you think that there is nothing in my life that I need help with? My life is going smooth. How many of you can say that? I think there's everybody. We can say that when I say, hi, how are you? You can say, yes, I'm good. Work is going good. Everything's good. But in, when you come face to face with reality, when you go to sleep at night, there are things that you cry about on your pillow that nobody else knows about. The struggles and the pain that nobody else knows about. The depression that you're going through. The suicidal thoughts that you're dealing with. The loneliness and the isolation that you're feeling. The betrayal you're feeling. The person who sleeps next to you is not able to support you and understand you. But so you come to God. You come to God. Why do you run to man? Don't run to another human being because they can only give you pity. They can give you sympathy. But the only person who is able to transform your life today is God. God said, where, where is your faith? Where is your faith this morning? So this morning, I want to ask each of you to just open up your hands in a cupped position and pray and believe in your heart. All things are possible through God. All things are possible through God. All things are possible through God. Jesus says in Mark chapter 16 that through his name that we will be able to drive out demons, that through his name we will be able to heal sicknesses, through his name we will be able to speak life into the lifeless situation. There is a reason why you are brought here. You are not here by an accident. My God, he sees you. He sees your struggle. He sees your brokenness. He sees your sin. He sees your prayer. 
He sees your limitation. He sees that you are struggling with this failure. But my God doesn't call you because of your past. He doesn't call you because of your failure. He calls you because He sees you in the fullness of how He He has designed and put the purpose in your life. So walk in the purpose that God has put in your life. Walk in the faith uh, that God has set this road straight for you. I think a lot of us, we look at our uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the list of all the people who, um, who are patriarchs of faith. You know, we call them heroes of faith, right? Um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but their faith did not come in one day. It took them years to practice their faith. Faith comes through prayer. Jesus says, some of this comes out only by prayer. If you read the footnotes, it says prayer and fasting, but I'm staying with, you know, the actual verse itself. Some of this comes out only by prayer. Jesus was God. Jesus was fully God and fully human, right? Amen? Jesus was fully God and fully human. He had a direct connection to God the Father. He had a direct connection, direct line to the Holy Spirit. And yet... What does Jesus do before he sets out to his three and a half years of ministry? Goes to the wilderness for 40 days and prays. Need to heal, uh, heal the deaf and the blind? What does he do? Go in the morning, pray for an, a few hours. Before the sun even rises, what does he do? Go away, pray for a few hours. Jesus is about to get into his suffering phase. What does he do? Go away and pray. Why do we feel like we are able to live this world as of like we are capable of, uh, of performing some miracle without prayer? If Jesus prayed, we need to pray as well. Our faith is going to increase because of prayer. There is nothing in us that we can do. A lot of times we think that we don't, we can't pray for, you know, if there is somebody here who has an illness, I'll think, okay, I, I don't know if I'm perfect. I don't know if I'm worthy to pray. It's not about you, brother. And it's not about you, sister. It doesn't matter if you are worthy or not. You're just a vessel. God is able to work through you. The only thing that He's requiring of you is to speak through faith. The only thing God is requiring of you is to speak through faith. God is able to use you despite of your history, despite of your unbelief, despite of your circumstances, despite of the fact that you have an illness or something, you can still pray for somebody else and believe that God is able to heal them as well. God is still able to give us a new building. Amen. It doesn't matter what time God has in store for us, but are we willing to wait on the Lord? Are we willing to wait on the Lord? How desperate are we to see a result? How desperate are we to see an answer from God? Do you think that we serve a dead God? Our God is living. Our God is resurrected. He has seated at the right hand of God as a person who has witnessed healings and deliverances right in front of my eyes. I can say that our God is still a miracle working God. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. How many of you believe that we serve a miracle working God? Continue to pray. Brothers and sisters, we believe in a physical realm and also in a spiritual realm. What we do right now with our senses is to speak into the physical realm. But what happens is that God is moving things in the spiritual realm. God is able to do this. Not us, not me, not anybody else. 
God is able to do this. That is the reason why He picks us because we are foolish. God chooses and delights to pick each of us who is willing to act in foolishness, who is able to say, God, I trust you. I know this is foolish. I know this is silly, but I trust you because God deserves the glory, honor, and praise. He is a good, good Father. He doesn't hold back anything from us this morning. As you go, I want you to visualize right now, all of you close